You're listening to Seahawks Stories, taking you behind the scenes with your favorite current and former Seahawks. Russell Playfake drops back, going to throw it deep. Got a man. It's Metcalf. He's out there. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. Turbin in the backfield with Wilson, who goes out of the shotgun. Look out, here comes the blitz. Russell steps up. Now he's got to scramble. Now he dumps it Turbin. Midfield, 45-40 down the near sideline, 30. 25, puts his head down. What a run. By Turbin, he's all the way down to the Chargers' 21-yard line. A 32-yard pickup. Now, here's your host, Super Bowl 48 champion, Robert Turbin. What's up, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Robert Turbin. Welcome to the first ever episode of Seahawks Stories featuring our very special guest, Paul Moyer. Paul, what's up with you today, man? How you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. I feel like I should be interviewing you um, on this, but uh, hey, honored to be part of this first one. And uh, it's, been, it's been an honor, really, just to get to know you uh, on the broadcast the last few weeks, too. Is this because is this the is it an age thing that you feel like it should be on the the, the other way around or what, well what? great question I was just you know the highlights you know it's Super yeah. Bowl champion you know it's still fresh I'm like look I followed you right you're with the Seahawks I remember you coming out of Utah State I mean so part of me is like oh I want to interview you but you I'm know like <laughs> I'm, I'm good to be interviewed too well you know what um, we're making history today. The first ever episode of Seahawks Stories. I, 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 I'm anticipating this thing eventually being a huge thing. I have, I'm a big dreamer. I don't know about you, but I've got big visions for this show. So we're for it to, 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 for the first episode to start this way, to have you on, Paul. It's an honor. And I'm very grateful that you're taking the time uh, to chop it up with me today. It'll be good. I, you're going to have a lot of uh, good people. You know, if you're, you know, there, obviously there's so many great stories out there. I've been around a long time, so I definitely know some history with the Seahawks. Absolutely. Uh, but your journey didn't start in Seattle. You were uh, native. Where were you from originally? Can you uh, tell us? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry about that. As I, you know, we're fi- fighting technology here. Um, yeah, I grew up in uh, Orange County, California, uh, down in a, a city called Villa Park, California. And uh, I actually went to Fullerton Junior College. Um, I, I loved playing baseball. And uh, at the time when I was being recruited from some schools, most of me either wanted me to play football or baseball. No one really wanted me to play both. Um, and I, I was a late bloomer. Uh, you know, I was 17 coming out of high school. And mm-hmm. while I was a good athlete, I, I didn't done I was an all-state football player things like that so uh, Fullerton Junior College great football program baseball program they said look come play both and you know maybe uh, in a year or two you'll get an opportunity to play both uh, in college so I did that and then uh, was fortunate enough to have pretty good uh, numbers and stuff where I was all-state and and I think I was a defense player of the year in, in California Junior College which Junior College in California is very good football um, right and then uh, Arizona State, I ended up picking them to, to go to, to school. And that was that was a great experience as well. Did you have some other options? You know, we hear talks about like, uh, what's a good example? Bobby Wagner, you know, his only offer was Utah State coming out of high school. Uh, so when you left junior college, did you have some other choices that you could have gone? Yeah, I mean, USC, matter of fact, I saw North Turner the other day at Mike Tice's um, charity event uh, was a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and I reminded North Turner of the story that he recruited me. He was the safety coach at USC at the time. And for those who don't know North Turner, North ended up being a great offensive coordinator. Yeah, he was an offensive guru, right? Safety's coach, huh? Yeah, but he was young. And, and I told him, I said, he almost over-recruited me. I was a diehard SC fan. I was Trojan for life. My, I had a cousin who played quarterback there, an uncle who was a uh, running back there. We had, you know, maroon and gold everywhere uh, in our house. And I was like, all you got to do is offer me a scholarship. I'm there. But he kind of was like, yeah, we're looking at some other guys. And um, so th- that was one. It probably came down to uh, them and uh, Illinois at the time. I, I always wanted to go to a Big Ten school as well. Uh, there weren't a lot of Big Ten schools looking at junior colleges, you know, 
at that time, but they were one of them. Uh, but Arizona State was my last trip. And if you've ever been there, oh man, yeah, <laughs> I can't understand. Honestly, I cannot understand how they don't recruit better, Turbo. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Man, it is. Yeah. It's an amazing place. Amazing facilities. Um, hopefully, they get that turned around because I'm I'm a big Pac-12 fan. Right. Well, I think uh, Herm Edwards is coaching there now. Yep. Looks like they're yeah, uh, he's doing a good. He's doing a good job, and yeah. uh, they got a few few issues there. But uh, I, I love her. I mean, he's just you know quality guy, and I think they're they're doing a good job turning that program around. Yeah. No, I gotta agree with you about Arizona State, man. When I when I left college, I went to college at Utah State. I went to Arizona for to train for the combine. They had the uh, athletic performance institute there. Now it's called Exos, but a lot of guys would go there. The facilities were amazing, but aside from that, just Arizona in general is my first time ever being in Arizona. Uh, going to all the different you know towns, Scottsdale and Phoenix and Tempe, right? I think that's where Arizona State is, yep. right? Yep. Tempe. Tempe. Uh, I never made it down to Tucson though, where University of Arizona is, but I, but it was like, man, like. Going down there as a 22-year-old kid, or young man, I should say, I'm like, I, I want to live here. It was so amazing. I'm like, I think I want to pack up myself and move here and make this my off-season uh, home. So I definitely agree with you there uh, as it pertains to Arizona and, you know, not being able to recruit. Like, they should be able to recruit a lot better because that place is really amazing, you know. Um, so. And as you know, I mean, you're from California as well. I mean, you're used to sun. You're used right. to, you, I mean, if you're used to sun and again, I just, I think it's a gold mine there. And I've always uh, scratched my head how they haven't been more consistent, but anyways, right. I'm, I'm a little prejudiced, obviously or biased to that. And by the way, Tucson's a pit. <laughs> Not that they're my arch rival and I hate them. Right. <laughs> I do. I hate them. <laughs> Well, that, I mean, that, I mean, that's just part of college ball. You know, you, yep. it's like you have a hatred for a team for no other reason than the fact that you're that team, you're the University of Arizona. You know, for, right. for me, Utah State, it was like, you know, didn't like BYU at all for the simple fact that, at least in the beginning, there would be BYU. And then as you got to know, like, the school and the players, you're like, oh, you know, I really do dislike you guys for a lot, a lot <laughs> more reasons. Exactly. Uh, than just that. Uh, but you go to Arizona State, you have a great career there. You leave there and go to the Seahawks. They they draft you, right? I'm and an I'm an I'm a I'm an undrafted free agent. Oh wow. And, yeah, okay. yeah. It was it was hard for me as well. That was that was a tough one because uh, my senior year at Arizona State, we were the number one defense in the country. <clears throat> I had uh, oh my gosh, I I can't remember how many defensive guys end up getting drafted and, and making it actually over a two year time frame, my junior, senior year, 27 guys made it in the NFL for my team. We are very talented. Um, wow. the MVP of the East West shrine game, uh, every defensive back in the East West shrine game got drafted, but me, wow. uh, it, and you know, being an undrafted free isn't the worst thing. Certainly wasn't back then turbo because they brought in so many guys and they and there are so many practices that you really got an opportunity to show yourself. And by the time the veterans got there, you know, I probably had a week, you know, a good week of double days just with the, the young players uh, and rookies. Um, and then the whole offseason leading up to it, I, I was pretty confident I was going to make the team. You know, mm -hmm. just the guys who were in front of me, um, they had just brought in, you know, not uh, share too much on it, but they just brought in Chuck Knox. Uh, he was a the first year coach. And back then, first year coaches got an extra week of practice to prepare. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I got a new system. So I knew no one had an edge on me there. And so there's a lot of things that fell into my favor to make the team. Um, but yeah, I just uh, I didn't know a whole lot about Seattle at the time. Uh, you know, There's obviously a lot of teams that wanted me, but uh, I knew my old defensive coordinator, Arizona State, ended up being the defensive line coach in Seattle at the time. I was a big Chuck Knox fan, so it worked out very well for me. So going through that process, and obviously you and I both are very familiar with how the draft process goes. You know, I know from, I, I don't know, like, uh, I mean, did you go to the combine? Did they have a combine back then? That's why I love talking with you about this. So we, because we are 
I hate to say it, I mean, you're, you're about my son's age, uh, maybe a little bit older, you know, okay. but I'm old enough to be your father. Um, <laughs> two, two, two generations and, and what changed along the way. And back then, they really didn't have the combine, certainly not like today. What they would have are these little regional places that you would go okay. to. But even that wasn't big. Most of the workouts were your senior day and teams would fly you in. Uh, they do a physical, maybe work you out. And so wow. what, really, what killed me was my junior year. I wasn't in great shape. I had had a, a bit of a foot injury. I didn't know how important that, uh, that spring when you did the 40 for the pros was. And right. I wasn't thinking that much at the time. I, you know, I hadn't had a, a real breakout year yet. And so anyway, so it's very different time, Turbo. I mean, it's not like today where they've got everything, you know, pretty much relative on times and weight speed uh, that there they you really had to rely on your scouting department. Well, that I mean, that's that's totally different. I, I, I know. So even though you're going through that process, I'm just thinking in my own mind, like, I mean, yeah, we still do a pro day. They call it a senior. I guess they call it a senior day yep. back in your time. I know for me, when I was going through that process, there were certain teams that I thought, man, you know, I, I potentially, I mean, I, I really feel like I'm going to be drafted here. I'm going to go here uh, to this team. Did you get that sort of feeling as you were going through that process? Did see, did you work out with Seattle before then, uh, before going undrafted? And was there a team that you did perhaps work out with? You said, man, I had a really good day here. I feel like this is where I'm going to go. I thought at the time it was the LA Rams. Uh, I was convinced of it. I mean, I grew up there. They were in my backyard, you know, growing up in Orange County, huge LA Ram fan. Chuck Knox was a head coach there at one point. Um, worked out for him. It was my best 40 time. They needed some safeties. They ended up drafting. I can't remember who it was. I want to say it might've been a guy at Newsom out of University of Washington. He and I, yeah. you know, people were talking about us too. When they didn't draft me and then they called, you know, to try and sign me, I was like, not a chance, not a chance. And, you know, my, def my old defensive coordinator, a guy named uh, George Dyer, who was the defensive line coach for the Seahawks, they had just come over. Yeah, he called me, he said, look, Paul, it's a great opportunity. He goes, there's really, I mean, the, the backups, um, it was a great opportunity. And so he just said, I highly encourage you to come here because, you know, you got to you probably make this team because he had coached me. So, so I followed that advice and, you know, when you're a free agent, you're looking for that. You're looking for the opportunity, Pittsburgh, Dallas, the jets. See, I never worked out for Seattle, but they knew me, you know, just mm -hmm. from some of the coaches that had uh, gone to Chuck, Chuck Knox's staff. Wow. So you go to Seattle, you play for Seattle for seven seasons. Yep. Guys made the playoffs four out of those seven seasons and you as you know you know the playoff atmosphere drastically changes from the regular season talk about how that experience was for you uh and and how and and, and talk about some of your deeper runs uh, out of those four years as well yeah this this is what's fun with talking with you about this turbo because <clears throat> the very first year my rookie year is the first year the seahawks ever made the playoffs and I would say the first time you make the playoffs in any franchise, the, the town is nuts. I mean, the Mariners back in 95, this town was nuts. And you go back, you know, the Sonics, you know, in the 70s. <clears throat> but for the Seahawks in 1983, the first year we go to the playoffs, place is, it's ridiculous uh, how nuts it is. And, you know, when all of a sudden you guys in 2013, when you win the Super Bowl, that you, you basically become superstars. You become celebrities. You almost can't go anywhere. Yeah. And, I, and I remember we went to the uh, AFC championship game that year. Uh, we were a wild card team, nine and seven. No one thought much of us, but we were really talented. When you're bad for that many years, you're going to have a lot of high first round graphics. So we were really talented with potential, you know, hall of famers, a lot of pro bowl guys. Um, but I remember coming back on new year's Eve day. We just beat Miami and Dan Marino in Miami Wow. And now we're, now we're going to go play for the Super Bowl, playing the AFC Championship game against the Raiders. But we're flying home on New Year's Eve. There's 10,000 people waiting for us at the airport. We, wow. we can't even get out of the airport. 
I mean, it was took wow. us an hour and a half, two hours. And I just, I remember coming back into the city and everywhere we went, Turbo, I mean, God, we were red carpet, you know, it was, we're the greatest. And it was, it's, it's different now. I mean, you know, certainly guys like Russell Wilson and, you know, the guys today, it's hard to go out in a crowd. We could, I mean, there was a little more, I don't want to say respect's not the right word, but they were just so happy for us to be there. You know, it wasn't mm -hmm. just off factor, everybody wanting to take photos and autographs. Yeah, it was a great time, Turbo. And so I, I, the reason why I bring that up is 2013 to me, that was the first time we won a Super Bowl. Same thing, you guys took it to another level. And there's right. nothing like it, man. You're, you're, you are 12s for life. People will remember you, Turbo, for the rest of your life. And they still remember me because of those times. Yeah. No, it's curious that you share that story because, you know, in my mind, like, I, I, I'm wanting to ask you, like, because the 12s is such a big deal these days and, and really are. I mean, I have so much. It's unbelievable. Even even here we are, you know, however many years later that it's been since we, you know, won the Super Bowl since I've been on the team. And I mean, granted, I went back in 2019, but even before then, you know, the fans are still on social media. They're supporting everything that I'm doing, whether it's broadcasting, whether it's uh, you know, my own podcast, whatever it is. Uh, and the, you know, the support is so strong. So, I, you know, I'm curious about that, that same 12th man type of energy being there during your time. And it sounds like it was, it was you know, it was, it's the same. It's, uh, it was different too. We played in the kingdom and uh, we had, it was a 12th man back then. You know, it's not the 12s. And there was some licensing things going on with Texas A&M because they had the 12s also. But our 12s were real 12s. They just had the name. But we, we were loud. And we, we created the wave. And it was inside the kingdom. And I've shared this story. Actually, we, on our broadcast, we talked about Wait, this. It, so the wave originated from the kingdom. It, it, it may have originated with University of Washington. Matter of fact, you, you okay. probably asked will, will give us a, the history of that. But yeah. it was perfected and the kingdom. Okay. And what I mean perfected is they got creative turbo where they'd have three waves going at once. They would have waves going in different directions. And it was, un it was a, a piercing loud. So it was so loud. It hurt. You had, you had to, I was telling, I used to tape wow. my ear holes in my helmet and Dave Wyman goes, well, how could that help? And I go, well, it's kind of like putting your hands over your ear, just to muffle it a little um, different than where we are at Lumen Field now, where it's a more natural loudness. You can have a conversation, even how loud it is. You mm -hmm. couldn't have a conversation in a kingdom. Um, wow. So the 12s, which used to be the 12th man, they've been around since the 70s. And all they've done is gotten stronger and stronger. And then today, what it is from a branding standpoint, and their family, as you know, man, they, they're supportive. All the there, way. There's nothing like it in the country. Nothing nope. like the 12s. No other team, and, and and I've played for other teams, so yeah. so I can tell. I mean, I know the difference. You know, yeah. I think maybe you know I was in Dallas for a little bit, Cleveland, and you know I spent a, a good chunk of time with the, with the Colts. You know, three years, and you know maybe Dallas has some similarities as it pertains to like how the fans uh, treat the, treat their players in, in in public, but there is nothing uh, like the fans here. And I'm not sure if you played for for any other teams after your seven years in Seattle, did, did you? I, well, I played my whole seven here and I, I had a neck injury uh, that uh, basically Chuck Knox said, Hey, you've had a good career. You know, you had no reason to have surgery on this. Um, and I was, I was fortunate at that point, Turbo. They, they, uh, they asked me, there's about five games left, left in the year. And they said, Hey, we, we'd like to bring on the coaching staff. You know, why don't you try it out, you know, come to the games with us, be in the meetings see if there's something you want to do. And if you do, they will add you to the, uh, the staff the, the following year. And uh, so that was pretty fun. And you know, I, I, I've been really blessed turbo and that everything I've done, I, ne I never got cut. So I never had to go through that experience. I had the injury. Mm -hmm. So it was a bit of a forced retirement and they probably mm -hmm. would have cut me at the end of the year. Cause I wasn't playing great. Um, <laughs> but then I got to go into coach. So I kind of got to wean out of it. You know, mm -hmm. and then I, again, that was the opportunity from a broadcasting standpoint too. So mm -hmm. um, I, I've just, 
slowly they get me out. Soon they're going to retire me, Turbo. I mean, it's, right. it's time to get the old guard out, but uh, it's been been a heck of a journey for me. So you had the natural transition, and, and we'll yeah. get into your coaching experience and and obviously the broadcasting experience as well. But I, but I want to stay uh, on focused on your playing days just for sure. a few more moments. You talked about uh, going to the AFC Championship game. Yep, we were in so, AFC. So, yeah, they were AFC. I, I just really recognized the AFC back then, as opposed to now we're in the NFC. That was your rookie year. Was that your deepest playoff run? And if so, what do you think during that during those days during that time held you guys back from taking the next step and getting to that Super Bowl game? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it, it, it was the deepest run we've had. Uh, going to the AFC championship game, though, I think we, we, I mean, it was in the playoffs four times in my seven year career. Um, but 83, we were, no one thought much of us yet, but uh, I had Kenny Easley, Hall of Famer. I, I had Steve Largent, Hall of Famer. I had mm-hmm. Dave Brown, who shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. And the guy has 63 career interceptions or 62. Uh, wow. I mean, it's top five of all time. Right. Um, you have uh, Jacob Green, who's you know in the Ring of Honor uh, yep. as well. Uh, Kurt Warner, our running back, he's in the Ring of Honor. So uh, I'm probably missing Chuck Knox. He's in the Ring of Honor. We the talent was there. We had a lot of talent. Um, probably our best team was 1984. Mm. Uh, 1984 was the, the the year after we went to the uh, the ASU championship game. Now everybody's got us thinking, okay, this is a team on, on the rise. Mm-hmm. We're, we're certainly a favorite to get back to get to the Super Bowl. Um, we, unbelievable year. We start off 12 and two. Uh, we, we end up losing our last two games to finish 12 and four. So we lost a little confidence mm-hmm. going to the playoffs. And the worst part was we lost our running back, Kurt Warner. First game mm-hmm. of the season blows his knee out. Um, you know, my best friend, my, my roommate, uh, you know, and he's, you know, one of the top two running backs in the league at the time, him and Eric Dickerson. But we found a way, and, and part of it was just an unbelievable defense. Um, so not to get too far down there, but that no. was our, our best team. It's just injuries. Uh, unfortunately, we probably weren't strong enough in the playoffs, but it was our best record at the time at 12 and 4. Um, 1986 might have been the team at the end of the year at the hottest. Um, we didn't make it to the playoffs. We were 10 and 6. But we had won our last five games of the season. Nobody could stop. We were blowing teams out by 20, 30 points. Uh, matter of fact, we beat Denver the last game of the year by like 40 something to seven or 14, and the Giants that year. And they were the two that ended up in the Super Bowl. So, you know, again, just the quality we had there. But um, we had good teams. Uh, you know, we, we were competing pretty much every year for the playoffs and, you know, a team that could make it to the Super Bowl. Amazing. Amazing. Um, 1988, a special year for you. You led the team in interceptions with 11, um, or excuse me, you had a team leading six interceptions, right? Yeah, that's that year, yep. And, uh, you had 11 career interceptions. You came in as an undrafted free agent. When was the turning point for you? Because, you know, some people don't understand how much the game is, much less physical and much more mental. It takes a lot of belief in yourself, confidence. And there you, you, you get to a point in your career, sometimes it's early, you know, sometimes it, it's your rookie year. Sometimes not till year three, et cetera, but it, it, it clicks for you. And you're like, man, you know, I, I'm in this zone for lack of a better word. I know exactly what I'm doing. And I know that I can be a great player now. You became a starter eventually, right? Mm-hmm. When did that happen for you? When after your rookie, when did that happen for you where you became a starter and things just started to click and your confidence skyrocketed to where, you know, I can be a real force and leader on this defense? Yeah, I, I, my rookie year, I had a pretty good success. Um, and, you know, Kenny Easley, who I was backing up at the time, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty tough guy to unseat, you know, future hall of famer and, and really the best safety in the league at the time. And I'm, I'm throwing in Ronnie Lott uh, in the same era. I mean, that's how good Kenny Easley was. Um, I had a lot of success. It probably though wasn't until 1986, 87. I, um, I felt 
as well. But 86 was the turning point. And, and Kenny Easley had missed the last five games of the year. Um, I started six games that season. We were 6-0 and when I was a starter. I think I had three picks that season. And it, it was just the coaches coming up to me and saying, hey, we need to make sure you believe you can start in this league. Because I, I didn't really think I could. I'm backing up Kenny Easley, another guy named John Harris, two veteran guys with strong personalities, unbelievably smart. I mean, one, two of the smartest football players I've ever been around. Um, so, I, you know, you, sometimes just looking at your big brother, you don't think you're as good as them and you're not maybe worthy. And so it took to 86 for the coaches and me to really have starting success where I said, okay, I'm good enough here. I, I got the system. I was always a, a playmaker. I've always intercepted and been around the football, uh, but that was big. And then 87, same, I got more opportunities. Um, and then finally, when they traded Kenny Easley, which I won't go through that whole story, uh, going into 88, uh, I had the opportunity to start that year. And I should have had 10 interceptions. <laughs> I think I had two called back and I dropped two. Oh which, man, the yeah. drop the drops got to hurt. I mean, the, the yeah. getting called back is one thing, but yeah, yeah, and that would have been, been a nice one. And you know, I was, I was an alternate uh, Pro Bowler that year, but you know, one or two more probably got me would have got me there, and that would have been that would have been nice to have uh, on the mantle. Eleven interceptions in your career, and you mentioned in the playoffs playing against guys the likes of Dan Marino. Who's the guy? I got to know the intercept. Who's the quarterback that you intercepted? That's just like, man, I intercepted that guy. Um, I'm pretty fortunate. A few uh, Hall of Famers. Uh, I have uh, John Elway. Um, okay. I have Warren Moon is one of my favorites because uh, it was really? such a yeah. He at the time where they were the Houston Oilers. That's right. They were he running was the run and shoot man. They were good. I mean, they were loaded at wide receiver, running back. Warren Moon was scary because. He could make every throw imaginable. He could run, too. He could run. He didn't want to run, but he right. could run, uh, mainly because he got his one of the most beautiful arms in the history of uh, football. Uh, but I intercepted him. They were going in to score and, and potentially beat us. I intercepted. I kind of baited him on this one play. We knew it was coming. Okay. And it was something where they, they, they had done. I Actually, I thought he got me, but I just at the last second, I realized what I did, came back, intercept, took it down the sideline to kind of – I don't want to say completely sealed the game, but it was a big interception. But I had Jim Kelly intercepted Jim. Um, the guy who really I <laughs> didn't intercept that gave me a rough night was uh, Joe Montana. That's when oh, I had Jerry man. Rice. Well, you're talking about greatest, you know, second greatest of all time now, you know, <laughs> in my I'll opinion. At least. I'll tell you a funny story on this one. So it's 1988. We're playing them, I want to say, the third game of the year. We're number two in defense at the time after the first two games. We just beaten uh, Denver and, and, and Kansas City, and the Raiders and Denver were our big rivals. You know, John Elway, same age as me, came out together. Um, so we're playing the 49ers, third game of the year. I want to say they were number one in offense. We were number two in defense. When the game was over, they were number one in offense. I think we were 28 in defense. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it was. Oh man, was and that's crazy. my team. You know, I grew up a 49er fan. That's my team right there. <laughs> okay, you got Jerry Rice, right? You got right. Roger Craig. I miss Don Roger. Don Taylor, uh, right? Yeah. No, yeah. You, you got, uh, um, uh, 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 I don't think Brent Jones was there yet, but who's the tight no. end? Greg Clark. Not Greg, but uh, um, Dwight no. Clark. God, the tight end was really good. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't remember what he's. Was uh, Dwight not there yet? Uh, Dwight might have been there. Yeah, I think so. He might, oh, yeah, he may be a year younger than me or something. But no, that team was, and not only were their offense great, their defense was loaded. I mean, they were so oh, good. Yeah. So, so I thought, you know, you being a NorCal youngster, you would appreciate that story. Oh yeah, you know that's my squad. You know, yeah. fan. Most of my family, you know, Raider fans. I kind of went against the grain. Mm. I, I guess you can call it, but uh, I always liked winners. Yeah. Are you wait? So I, I gotta ask you because once I became a Seahawk and once I became a Sun Devil, I was no longer a Trojan fan, and I and I was a diehard Ram fan and Raider fan. Mm -hmm. No longer a Ram or Raider fan for sure. Mm -hmm. The Raiders now, but because when we that was our rival, we played them in the AFC Championship game. 
We had right. beaten them twice that year, and they thumped us in the AFC Championship game. Oh, but that's the worst, up, man. Raiders the worst. were my team. Loved them. And I, mm-hmm. I don't like them anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so I, are you still a 49er fan? No, no. Oh, okay. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. not it, it, so I yeah, and I'm sure that you for you it was the same. Like once you once you become a professional, early in my career, I get that question all the time. Are you still allowed to root for your team? You know the 49ers, and I'm like, I don't think so. I think that's over with now. I don't even want to root for Kaepernick or any of those guys anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's you know, I I was a huge Frank Gore fan. I mean, I got an oh, opportunity yeah. to play with him in Indy to be teammates. He was one of the guys that I, I really admired. Uh, and so to, you know, to, and he's on 49er. I, I can remember vividly where I'm sitting in the stands back when it was Candlestick Park in San Francisco, watching 21, watching Frank Gore play. Is there a player that you shared the field with that you had a similar feeling? Yes. Yeah. Um, we, my rookie year, uh, no, it wasn't my, my second year, uh, the one I was saying, 1984, we start off 12 and two and we, but we lose Kurt Warner first play of the game, our running back. So we're looking for a veteran running back and they bring in Franco Harris. Oh, wow. And I'm, I'm in awe. I'm oh, like, wow. This is Franco Harris. Wow. One of the greatest guys in the world loves we, on the plane. He kind of started the whole Ray card game. Yeah, right. You know, there, there's definitely some, some money being exchanged there. And he had money. You know, most of us were like, okay, we got a little money. Yeah. We don't have big money. Great. That one and, was, and the money wasn't nothing like it is nowadays. No, you know what I mean? No. <laughs> and he, you know, he was so big time. But getting someone there, that was that was huge. Um, as far as playing against some people, you know, Marcus uh, Allen was the, a running back. And again, I was a diehard Trojan fan. Right, and now right. I'm going up against him. Right. And it's like, okay, you know, that that was and another great guy. Just, you know, some of these guys are just really good people, right? I mean, they're, yeah. you know, you get to know them, obviously, you know, I mean, you're, you get to know them playing against them and maybe before the game or after the game, you know, just some brief conversation. So, yeah, there's a bunch of them. I, Joe Montana was just getting started. I didn't realize mm-hmm. how great he was going to be. I tell the story now of, yeah, I got my butt kicked by Joe Montana. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's my, my one story from 88, but Franco was the big one just because he came to our team and he was still a superstar. But yeah, no, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I, listen, I, that, obviously that wasn't my era, but, you know, watching Franco Harris with the Steelers for a long time, seeing all the highlights NFL, like NFL, when NFL network first came out and was like a thing, like I was glued to that channel all day, every day, watching all of the NFL film stuff and all these highlights and the, the famous run with Franco Harris that would some off someone's face mask and uh, the immaculate reception, man. Yeah, that was Mr. Know. Raiders. <laughs> and he scores a touchdown. Killed uh, me. That's awesome. Say it again. I said that one killed me when that happened. It's the first time I remember ever crying watching one of my teams lose. That's um, a bigger fan I was. Now, look, I'm um, I'm young. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm young, young. So that's why, again, Franco, by the time he gets to the Seahawks, my rookie year, that was that was a pretty big deal. I'll tell you another one uh, real quick. Uh, when Jerry Rice came to the Seahawks. Oh, yes. And was, was still doing his thing, too, man. He I mean, was well. still balling. That was that would have uh, got me. That was, that that was pretty good. I got to interview him. Nice guy. Um, still a hard worker. So, yeah, there were some good moments. Yeah, that would have got me right there, man. That I, yeah. I probably would have been. Uh, I don't get starstruck too much, but that definitely would have been. I actually had an opportunity to meet him when I was in Cleveland. He came to a practice. His son was trying out for the team, and so he was there. And uh, and I said, man. But it, actually, the first time I actually met him was back when Nike used to do. I don't know if you know this or not, but Nike used to do a Nike camp. He's do a football camp at Stanford every year for high school, college recruits, juniors and seniors. A bunch of college scouts would be there. And uh, and I got a chance to shake hands with, with Jerry Rice. I didn't say much because I didn't know what to say. Uh, I was so starstruck. But uh, he's big. Uh, that's a big one. 
Yeah, amazing guy. Uh, yeah. I want to go over some. I want to look at some stats. I want to go over some stats with you, and just bear with me here. But to bring, I'm going to bring this up. This is actually I didn't even. This is kind of funny because here you got here you are right with you know your defense. You know, uh, 1980, 81, 83, right? Uh, combined, I mean, I'm looking at this. And uh, you guys had, I think it was in those years, 13 total touchdowns in comparison to the uh, Legion of Boom, uh, who only had five in their span, you know, 10 and 11. I mean, obviously, you know, a couple couple more years, a bunch of interceptions from Sherm and Earl. But just from a number standpoint, I'm going to get into too many details as far as the numbers. I mean, Dave Brown, 34 interceptions. John Harris, 35. You know, you had 11. Uh, Kenny Easley, the Hall of Famer, 32 uh, interceptions. You know, Sherm, 32 interceptions. You know, yep. Earl got 25. Cam, you know, 12. I mean, the numbers are, if not similar, maybe in favor oh. of your side it's there not close. With, the, <laughs> with, with, with that DB group. Uh, you know, talk about the continuity that you guys had and, and, uh, you know, kind of some of the comparisons to the, to the new way, to the Legion of Boom, perhaps. Yeah. So what this is, is um, when the Legion of Boom came out, Kenny Easley, when he was going to the Hall of Fame, really was when this started to steamroll a little bit. Uh He said, yeah, the the Legion of Boom is, uh, is cute, but they're forgetting (laughs) about the original Legion uh, of and by the way, if I think when Eugene Robinson during this time frame, Eugene finished with 50 some interceptions. Yeah. So just, just to give you what we're, this we're talking about, th- this defensive back group oh. is the most successful uh, defensive back group in creating turnovers in NFL history. Mm-hmm. In 1984, we had over 60 turnovers that we created. We had wow. 36 or 37 interceptions that year. We had one game where we returned four interceptions back for touchdowns. Wow. This is the smartest group of guys. I mean, it's Kenny Easley, Dave Brown, John Harris. John Harris went to Arizona State, too. John's the smartest football player, photographic memory. And the, the defenses that we ran were so complex, and they were complex. We were doing all types of combo coverages, both in zone and man. You couldn't tell what we were doing. But we could get away with that, Turbo, because – we were having two and three a days during camp, yeah. you know, you're getting yeah. all these reps. Um, so we created, which is the modern day number for most turnovers in one year. And this is just kind of a snapshot to say, look over a seven year time frame, this group, how many interceptions they had, if they had thrown out honest to God, me and put Eugene Robinson in there, his numbers are crazy numbers. Um, he didn't get a lot of interceptions. I tell this all the time. Uh, until I started coaching him. And once I coached him, <laughs> went to the Pro Bowl twice. He had nine, and I think, 10 interceptions back-to-back years. Uh, but he was a ball ball hawk, and we talked about it. And they talked about how much film they watched. <laughs> it was mandatory. And it wasn't from the coaches. It was Kenny Easley, John Harris, Dave Brown. No, you, you're going to watch film. You're going to put the time in. We're talking about it like we're coaches. So, so yes, we are the original Legion of Boom, but actually, call you guys a Legion of Boom back then, or well, we we didn't we weren't branding back then, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Sherman's right. a brander. They're, they're right. That's all they did. Um, <laughs> right. But there's three guys there that had over 30 interceptions. Yeah, seven-year window. Yeah, that's amazing. That's not even their Dave Brown again on this the piece we're talking about that seven-year really 80 through 87. Um, if you go through that that time frame. Dave Brown ended up with over 60 interceptions in his career. He was still going. So I think the point on that is, man, it was a great secondary. I mean, just a lot of playmakers, a lot of fun. So I I can certainly, I I appreciate the Legion of Boom. You know, the reason why I bring it up is because I didn't realize, you know, such as a younger, you know, player, I mean, we talked about being old enough to be my father and all those kinds of things, (laughs) but 
you know, I didn't really, he's like, man, I had to study up on my history of the Seahawks and shout out to our producer, uh, uh, NASA NASA Choby for, you know, getting us these stats. But I'm I'm like, I'm looking at these numbers like, wow, like, these are these are amazing numbers, and and you know the Legion of Boom gets talked about so much even today yeah. that you know it's like man we're we're forgetting about these other players in this group that was really led. I mean numbers that still haven't even been touched. No, uh, they so never that, will be. They won't be yeah. touched again. Maybe because the games changed, Turbo and. You're right. I mean, we had 131 interceptions, 13 TDs during that 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 window. And by the way, it's more. We're just trying to get a yeah. like-minded. They had right. 87 to our 131. Right. And they had six six touchdowns to our 30. We doubled almost all of their numbers. Again, different right. different era. The shame of it is, if we could have won a Super Bowl, we came around the, with the Hall Hall of Fame. I hear you on that. But here's the thing: you talk about a different era. And that's an era in your era where the run game was really prominent. Yeah. Now we're throwing the ball everywhere. I mean, even in the Legion of Boom era, you know, like, and our team was a run team and you still had some teams that were, but still, I mean, with all the Hall of Fame quarterbacks that even you've seen in your career, you still weren't getting as prolific of a passing game as you do now. And so to end up with those numbers is just, I mean, I, I words can't describe, describe it. It's, well, thank uh, you, man. I appreciate that. Now yeah, it's, it's, it's fun amazing. to talk different, different eras and stuff. And the game has changed. I mean, there's no question, uh, but yeah, we were a ball hawking team and, and we were awfully proud of it. So I, sir, I, I, I mean, I'm going to ask this question. I know I probably already know the answer to this, but I'm sure, I mean, you're just, you're as confident as, any of your teammates would be in that secondary that you guys could hang in this era and play in this era without an, without, I mean, obviously like it's a safer game now. So, you, you know, some things you would have to, you know, get used to and adjust. Uh, but I'm sure like, man, if, if you play in this era, I'm sure you feel like, man, we dominate just as much as we did uh, back in the eighties. Well, I would say it's, it is relative, right? I mean, obviously we didn't have the supplements and the training and, uh, you know, just how to take care of yourself, you know, year round. I mean, back then you took a month or two off when the season was over just to recover. And, you know, just, I mean, today you're, you take two days off maybe, right. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's not. a very different. You take two months off nowadays, you might lose it. Exactly. And you're paid well enough that you can hire people. We didn't have all that. We look, I used to have to go get my own breakfast and lunch. Oh, you know, today man. with the Seahawks, you know, everything's organic. You can have breakfast, lunch, dinner. <laughs> you got your recovery drinks. You've got they're color-coded for you guys. You know, I mean, they know you and you've got <laughs> monitors on how they're gonna deal with it. And that's awesome. That's the relative part. Uh-huh. I think, you know, look, I think our guys, if you transported us here. Yeah, we would be quicker than we were then, and we'd be a little faster, and we'd have all those things. I mean, I look at how fast the game is today, because I, I used to do the sideline um, uh, color uh, analyst of the sidelines for a few years mm-hmm. before the, the Super Bowl in 2005. And I used to watch the game. I go, man, I forgot, God, I forgot how fast this game is. I can't believe mm-hmm. I played it. Because mm-hmm. as you're, you get older, you know, that stuff, you know, 100 miles an hour, looks really fast when you're younger you go ah, 100 miles an hour i do that all day right um same thing the speed of the game i watch it and i go wow it's so fast there's the, the athleticism now is so incredible yes but yes. holy crud let me tell you what i mean we were knocking each other out in practice every day you yeah. know I mean, yeah. you come yeah. across the middle that was yeah. mine now it's, now it's yours <laughs> yeah. I, i've got to work around it and say i mean my can i play in this space Yes, right. but you have to play nice. Back then, you came across the middle. Not only did I talk crap to you, I walked you back to your huddle and said, come back here again. Now, they turn around and they get my face and want to kick my butt. It's That part's weird to me. Right. But, you know, it's it's uh, different. But look, the athleticism today, it is off the charts. It is an entertainment. It's a big play game. Back then, it was big hit game. Right. 
Well, we've only got time for maybe a question or two. I mean, there's so much, Paul, I, I got to admit, there's so much more that I want to talk to you about. We've got time for maybe a question or two. You got to come back on Seahawks stories, you know, because Anytime. especially you once know. this thing blows up the way that we want it to and, and continues to grow. I mean, having you back, I mean, I, I, I can talk for hours about the vision that we have, but I do want to I do want to get into your coaching career a little bit. You did it was a you know and and listen I, I don't know how it was back then, but now there's a huge emphasis on the transition out of football and you know f- you know a lot of guys I mean even for me you know kind of get in this space where it's like man what am I going to do next and and you know it sounds like for you you know you had the opportunity to just go right into coaching, which was fantastic and. And correct me if I'm wrong, but seemingly that may not have been like your ultimate goal or dream because you didn't coach for very long. I think you coached for maybe four or five seasons and, you know, maybe took that opportunity because it was there. But just talk, you know, about that experience coaching. If you enjoyed it, the things you enjoyed about it, things maybe you didn't enjoy about it and, 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 and what kind of made you, uh, you know, coach for such a short time uh, uh, in your career. Yeah. And you, you've gotten to know me, you know, Turbo over the last you know month or so, you know, I, I love football. I love talking it. I love the X knows of it. Um, you know, I used to go up to, you know, during Tuesdays, you know, game plan time with the coaches. So they knew, you know, I was interested in coaching, but I didn't really express, Oh, this is what I want to do. They just knew, I liked everything about football and film and all that stuff. Um, it was hard for me. It was my, uh, you know, I'm young and I'm, I'm probably the youngest coach in the NFL at the time. I was a bit of a, you know, they were moving me up, you know, talking you know, about coordinator spots, you know, coming up. Um, but wow. then we, we, we started to lose because uh, we had a lot of success my first couple of years defensively. Mm-hmm. But my last year before we all got fired, we, and we did, Tom Flores was a coach at the time. It was a really tough year. I, I just lost confidence and, and maybe even the love for the game because mm. everything was so negative. Um, and there was just this black cloud. And I won't go into all the things that were going on at the time with the team, but it was, it was, uh, it, it was kind of a depressing time. So we all get fired. And I'm just looking. I've, I've got two young kids, a wife who's from here. And I'm thinking – am I going to take them around and move every two or three years? Cause that's what it's going to take for me to, to, to get to become a head coach. If that's what the direction I want to go. And I just, I just thought, you know, I'm going to take a year off. Uh, I'm going to try and get more in the business world here locally. I've been around here 12 years at the time. And uh, that was the path. I don't know if it was the right one. It, it, I still love coach. I coached in high school at Bellevue high school. That was a blast for me. I still like talking to people about coaching, but I got to go to every one of my son's football games, every one of his baseball games. I never missed any of his college football games. Um, You know, so for me, it was just a family versus a lifestyle as much Mm -hmm. as I love coaching. And it was tough. And I, to this day, I don't know if that was the right one, Um, but it's worked out well for me. I mean, business has been very good to me here. Um, I've been a part of the Seahawks for almost 40 years so no complaints there. Wow. Yeah, no, amazing. And I tell you what, you know, it was the right choice because, I mean, look, look at all the things that you've done. And uh, I'm honored to be able to meet you and be teammates with you in the broadcasting booth and be able to learn from somebody uh, with so much experience. And and we're only a week into the regular season. And, and you know, we've got 16 more of these things plus the playoffs because we are going to make the playoffs. Oh, despite, no question. Uh, the 5 and 12 things that we've seen from ESPN articles and these people who probably don't even know what football is, but uh, yeah, man, uh, really appreciate you coming on to the show, Paul. And, and I, and I, and I mean it, I really mean it, man. When, 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 as this thing grows, I gotta have you back on the show. There's so much more uh, about your, you know, not just football, but your life as well, you know, and, and other ball players, here's the thing, like, with your experience, other guys who are in the league now who maybe have recently retired, there's so much that they can learn from somebody like you. There's so much that I can learn from somebody like you as a guy who's kind of still wanting to play, but 
obviously, you know, that door is just slightly open, you know what I mean? And so the likelihood of it, the chances are, you know, we'll see, but uh, as as we transition and, and, and work on like getting through, uh, you know, like mental health stuff, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, there's so much that guys can learn from you from more than just a football aspect. Uh, and that's what I'm willing uh, and hoping to dive in next well, time. I, I, I love that. And I'd, I'd love to do that. Cause uh, it's funny, I feel you and I are kind of on the same uh, wavelength on some things here because I'll never forget when I was playing and there some old players would come back and some of them weren't in great shape, right? They'd let their life go or whatever. And I always remember, I said, you know, if I ever come back, I, I want to show them that there's opportunities out there. That, hey, you know, you work hard, you know, stay in shape, you know, have a good life, be successful. There's opportunities to be successful. The NFL has created awesome opportunities. In this community with the 12s, there's some awesome opportunities. So you, I get me, we're examples for them, right? I want them to know there's hope when they leave football. And it's, it is, again, I've said different now probably 50 times. It is different because when I was done playing, there was no generational wealth and there often wasn't enough wealth to carry you for a few years. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to get in the workforce and you've been out of it for seven years that you're competing against guys. You're going to have to go start from the yeah. ground floor and, and learn. But I wanted them to know that you can do that and right. come out of this successful, just like your football time. So you're a, you're a great role model for that, whether you know it or not. It's really important when you come back to these places, they see a guy that said, oh, okay, yep, that's what life's like after football. And it's good. It can be good. I appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate yeah. that. Well, till next time, Paul, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you to all of the 12s, any of our fans that are listening uh, to Seahawks Stories. This is our first episode. I uh, really appreciate everybody who's tuned in. Uh, till next week. It's your boy Robert Turbin. See you later.